Good morning. Welcome to worship at Ravelry United Methodist Church. We are so excited to have you here, both those of you who are joining us online and those of you who are here in our sanctuary. My name is Kelly Lane, and I am one of the ministers here. Our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Peter Moon, will be preaching today, and he is beginning a new sermon series. It is about the city of Richmond and how it is a beautiful city in God's eyes and how we as a church are called to participate in making it an even more beautiful city. But before we begin worship, I want to invite our chair of trustees, David Simonson, to make an exciting presentation. Jim Overacre to come up and stand next to me, and I have something I want to present him with. This is a resolution approved by the Board of Trustees, and I would just like to read it to you. Dated January 1st, 2023. Whereas James C. Overacre is a faithful servant and member of Revel United Methodist Church, having served with exceptional diligence and dedication on the Board of Trustees for five consecutive terms over 15 years. Whereas James C. Overacre, in addition to his service on the Board of Trustees, served as the chair of the building committee for the construction of the chapel, youth space, welcome center, and renovation of the choir room in 2011-2012, and has served as the chair of the property committee, devoting countless hours to the maintenance and supervision of the property of Reveille United Methodist Church, whereas James C. Overacre has been and will remain a cherished member of Reveille United Methodist Church for his exceptional service to Reveille United Methodist Church. Therefore, be it resolved that James C. Overacre be named and recognized as trustee emeritus of the Board of Trustees of Reveille United Methodist Church, effective January 1, 2023, and be it further resolved that a copy of this resolution be given to him, and be it ordered that this resolution be recorded in the minutes of the Board of Trustees of Reveille United Methodist Church, herewith unanimously adopted at a meeting of the Board of Trustees of Reveille United Methodist Church on January 19, 2023. Thank you for your service, Jim. Thank you very much. You want to say anything? This is quite an honor, and I appreciate it very much. But as you know, I didn't do all this work by myself. We had the full membership of the property committee, and 10 years ago, it was the building committee that we worked with. And also today, as in the past years, our uh, facilities managers get all the work done. 
and I just watch, you know. I, they do the work, and Billy Petrusco is now Brasilis manager, and he's doing an excellent job and needs to be recognized for the work he does. And so it takes all of us working together to make it happen. And I accept this for everybody on the committee and the facilities managers. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. The Lord be with you.
please stand in body or in spirit and join me in our call to worship. Seek the welfare of this city. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. In your plan, O God, you have sent us here. Please help us to seek the welfare of those around us. Equip us to that end as we worship you today. Let us worship God through the singing of hymn number 57, over a thousand tongues to sing selected stanzas. Trusting in God's hope for us, let us come before God with repentant hearts, seeking peace and reconciliation. Let us pray. Gracious and holy Lord, we worship in this city, but often overlook it. Like Jonah, when challenges come, we flee. We have sought the safety and peace of the outlying areas instead of seeking the welfare of Richmond. We have failed to pray for the city as you have instructed. By your grace, forgive us and lead us into a place where we see your love for our city and your call to seek the peace and prosperity of this community Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Hear the good news. God hears our confession and rejoices that we desire forgiveness. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As those who have been forgiven and reconciled to God and neighbor, let us exchange signs of Christ's peace with those around us. And if the children will please come up for the children's message. guys here I'm going to come down here so everybody can can see and hear we're glad you're here today we're glad you're here okay can everybody hold up one finger one finger anybody anybody own a large foam finger I Evan you do okay I've been looking for one my husband scoured the attic last night and we can't find one so we're going to pretend we have a large foam finger up that says one and now I want you to say the word yes can you say yes say it with gusto yes yes because we are talking about what one person can do when they say yes to God and the plans God has for them and one of the stories that um, we heard about this week in the news, some of you or your families might have heard about it, and this name was Mr. Hody, let's see, uh, Childress, Mr. Hody Childress. He was a farmer, and he lived in Alabama. Mr. Hody Childress was not a wealthy man, but he heard God's call, and he listened, and he responded. He heard God's call to go to a pharmacy there in his little town of Alabama and pay for people's medicine who couldn't afford their medicine at the pharmacy. Now, when you've gone to the pharmacy with your parents, they normally have like a copay because you have insurance, right? Well, he was giving money to the pharmacy to pay for the medicine for people who could not afford it, who probably didn't have any kind of insurance or they just didn't have enough money to pay. Mr. Um, Mr. Hody, by the time he passed away in January, he had given over $10,000 to help people in his community pay for medicine they couldn't afford. And what this did, it inspired other people, not just in his town, but all over the country, to start sending money to pharmacies to pay for people who couldn't afford it. So he was one person, right? And what did he say to God's call? Yes. He said, yes. Say yes again. Yes. Okay. Now we go back a couple of thousand years and we hear about a guy who was a prophet in the Old Testament named Jonah. What do you think about when you hear the word Jonah? 
Henry, Leo, Leo. The fish, what about the fish? He went into the water because when God spoke to him and said, Jonah, I've got a very important mission for you. I need you to do something. I need you to go to Nineveh where the people are really having a hard time making good choices. I need you to tell them, repent. Repent and know that God loves you and that God will change your life. But did Jonah listen? No, he didn't just say no. He got in a boat and tried to get as far away as he could get from God. But God got his attention. Like Leo said, he went in the water and a fish took him in. And a few days later, the fish coughed him back up and that got his attention. He went to Nineveh and he told all the people there, repent. Nineveh was a huge city. It took him three days to walk around the city and tell everybody, repent. What does repent mean? May Louise, what does repent mean? Oh, I love that. It means start fresh. Yes, it does. Because we go to God and we say, we did something wrong. Forgive us. And it's just like we're using a dry erase board at school and we mess it all up. And then God comes along with an eraser and wipes it clean. That's exactly, we get a fresh start. So that's what God gave the people of Nineveh because Jonah heard God's call. He was one person, but he made a huge difference in a city. Just like Mr. Hody Childress did, he made a huge difference in his town. It wasn't as big of a town, but the power of one person who listens to God and answers that call can change a city It can change a town, a county, a state, a country. It can change the world. Okay, let's all say a prayer. Follow me. Thank you, God, for not giving up on us. And help us to listen and follow as you call us each day. Amen. Thank you for being here. join me in praying the prayer for illumination. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your internal word that does not change. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Today's first lesson is from the book of Jonah. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, which may be found on page 752 of your Pew Bible. Jonah tries to evade God's command to preach repentance in Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, but eventually he carries God's word to the great city. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amate, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. 
So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, that they, they proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he, then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hear now these words from the fourth chapter as we continue the story of Jonah. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give him shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush, so it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as your word is offered and proclaimed this day, it is our prayer 
that we would gather and understand as individuals and as your church that indeed this story is our story. Enable us to heed your call as we offer you this time through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Over the last couple of years, over several occasions, I have had the opportunity to share with you about that tour that Lynn and I had when we were appointed here almost exactly three years ago. Claire Coggers and Glenn Wilson took us around a great tour, and I told you the story. We've been here at Reveille for 30 years in and out. But on that tour, I saw some things that I really had never seen before. You know, one thing that popped out on that visit and subsequent ones is the lack of exterior symbols on our campus. Now, hear me, I have no desire to change that. But if you think about it, we have no cross or other identifying items outside. Again, I'm not interested in changing that. But my point is that because of the absence, there is one thing on the exterior of our church that just stands out. And it's that wind vane on the very top of our very large steeple. I sent you a picture of that on email this past Friday. And you know what I noticed? Pretty quickly I noticed that, you know, that weather vane's up there, but the wind can be blowing from anywhere. That weather vane doesn't move. In fact, I went back in the pictures, Reveille pictures from 50 and 60 and 70, even 70 years ago. Wind vane is always pointed in the same direction for decades. And do you know which way it points? That way, West. And it likely does so for good reason. I mean, when this church was built in the 50s and 60s, that was the way we did it. That was the understanding. That was the direction of mission. Our role is to go out into the world to make disciples of all nations. And, of course, this church did, along with the vast majority of churches in the middle of the last century. We followed that arrow, and we went out to the city, out from the city into the suburbs. And that trajectory of decades ago, it can be characterized by differing narratives. The church wanted to reach the growing population in suburbia. People needed to ensure good schools for their children. And of course, others have characterized that movement under the pejorative label, white flight. And as with most movements, it's likely a, a mix of motives that placed that wind vane, but more importantly, set the population, dare we say, set us headed out of the city. But the question for the morning and for our sermon time is simply this. What would happen if we turned that weather vane around? Now, friends, please know that I'm not speaking literally. I have spoken with Jim Overacre. I have spoken with R.C. Hall, the chairs of our property committees, and as soon as I floated the issue, the possibility, words like cell towers and scaffolding and cranes and all, it rose up almost as quickly as did the cost estimates around doing something like that. Just to move that thing 180 degrees. So, brothers and sisters, please know that we are doing a figurative, imaginative exercise this morning. Which, if you're, in truth, might be harder. But think about that with me. What would it look like 
to turn that weather vane towards the city. Now, friends, before we dig too deep into the metaphor, let me be clear. Reveille Church is already vitally engaged in the city. I was in a meeting this past week with several uh, conference clergy leaders, and I was sharing with them, to their amazement, some of the things we are doing. We work almost weekly with our partner churches. We are engaged at the same level or more with the Swansboro community. We have remarkable and consistent and regular conversations about race and other things with our African-American partner churches. You know, a a little over a year ago, right here on this altar, we commissioned our missionary to go and work in the community and schools where she provides a, a stable place, takes care of many needs, so that some of the children who are at the fringe of life can get, get an education, and we pay pa- half of her salary. So as we enter into the story of Jonah, and as we seek to figuratively turn that arrow around, let's also recognize that we've been doing this for a while now. We have been working with the city for a while now. But maybe there's even more waiting for us. You know, Jonah is, is just a remarkable story. But to hear it, you and I have to go past, go beyond, rise above perhaps, the, the childhood renditions. Yes, there is a big fish. But even more, there is a powerful story here that speaks to the relevance of ministry in and with the city. As we're going to find out next week, this story speaks into the enduring character of racism and God's work to fight it over millennia. But perhaps most of all, Jesus understood this story of Jonah to be his story in many ways, the gospel story, the way that he was put in the grave for three days, how he was raised up after those days, and in being raised, he calmed the storms that occur in our lives and in the world. You see the point? As wonderful as that Bible school narrative is about Jonah, we need to rise up to see the wonder and the power and the relevance of this very old book. And you heard what happened in the story. God told Jonah, who was in Joppa. Joppa is in modern-day Tel Aviv in Israel. He said, go to, and I quote, the great city of Nineveh. Jonah, of course, said, no way. He got on a ship, and he headed almost exactly in the opposite direction, as far away as he could go to a place called Tarshish, which is in modern-day Spain. But you know the lesson. You can't escape God. God drew him back through a fish, set him once again on the course. And then Jonah preaches, and surprisingly, Nineveh repents, despite Jonah's desires. Even so, at the end of the book, the story, when we read the second half there, Jonah is there sitting in the grandstands, in the shade. He's waiting for for judgment to rain down on the city. It's like the, the Super Bowl of God's wrath. But God was merciful. And as a result, Jonah gets angry. And apart from the Super Bowl of wrath thing... Do you see the relevance of our story? Here we are, a leading church right in the city. And if you walk out that front door behind us, you can pretty much see Carytown. 
just blocks away, is an urban environment. Dare we say Ninevites? But I think we can understand Jonah's desire to head the other way because ministry in Nineveh and ministry in Richmond is hard. It's very hard. I mean, go ahead and journey with me. Take, let's take a, a figurative, an imaginative journey up to the top of our steeple and to use the words of our Advent hymn, people look east. What do you see? What do you see when you look east? What do you see when you look across the river? If I'm honest, I see a whole lot of problems. I see poverty. I see racial division. I see crime and violence. I see substance abuse. And I see lots and lots of people with lots and lots of needs. And lots of people with lots of needs, they have a way of scaring us and send us running for the hills or at least the suburbs. And the view is very intimidating. And the temptation at this point is to climb down. Because unfortunately, if you stay up there and keep looking... The view gets harder. You know, there are a lot of people with a lot of needs. But in that view, there are also a lot of people who are doing very well, thank you very much. A lot of people with a lot of resources. You look down there, there's Scott's Edition right over here. And then there's the, the museum district. And there's the fan. Picture those people who live there. And our first impression may be, you know what? These people have no interest in faith. They have no interest in Christ. They certainly have no interest in the church. I don't want to be Jonah, albeit in different form. Let's book a ship to Tarshish. And yet, and yet, did you hear the continuing phrase that God uses to describe the people of Nineveh? Uniquely in the book, every time God says the word Nineveh, he precedes it by the words, the great city. Always says it that way, the great city of Nineveh. And here's a question, what makes Nineveh great in God's eyes? Now, likely, it's great because of the size. You heard the number, 120,000 people, but perhaps there's more. Archaeologists say that Nineveh was a grand, a beautiful, a great city in many respects. You know, Dr. Tim Keller has been a part of a building multiple churches in New York City and around the world for decades and has created a movement of urban ministry uh, in this day and age, and it has worked well. But in many of his books and articles, he writes and reminds us about the possibilities of ministry with the city. There's a temptation to assume cities are bad and the suburbs and the country is good, but he reminds us how much power there is in ministry with the city for a couple reasons. First, the city has a lot of people. We did some research in the part of our long-range planning for a couple years back. And you know that within one mile of our front door, there are 13,042 people. That's almost walking distance, maybe a three- to five-minute drive. And as we will see in a moment, it is the people that makes, in God's eyes, that makes a city great. And this group, especially when you take it and extend it from one to three miles, increases uh, richly with diversity. Now that can be threatening. But think of how our church over decades has prospered 
because of our partnership with African-American churches. You know, next week we're going to take on the issue of racial division and racism in our city. And that sermon next week is going to be based on our conversations with our partner churches, my conversations also with the leaders of those churches. We're going to use that as an opportunity to have a conversation next week and take this on in our city. But you know, when you think about it, the benefits of the city continues. Likely, not many of us would think of ourselves this way, but it's important to remember that you, as Kathy shared with the children, you are a person of influence. You have a network. You have relationships. It may very well be that you are the person to whom people turn when you walk into a room for guidance. That's one of the benefits of being in the vicinity of a city. We work with, have the privilege to work with people of network, of influence, who can make change. And I say this not to lift us up. I say that to humble us, because to whom much is given, much is expected. But there's a fundamental reminder that we are to be the means of grace in our networks, in our communities, in our friendships, in our decisions that change the world. Because we have the opportunity to influence our circles so that decisions are made, so that our community looks more and more like the kingdom of God. But as good as all that is, that's not the most critical thing that makes this city or any city, Nineveh or Richmond, great. Dare we say at this point, beautiful. Beautiful. See, the beauty is found in the closing verses of the book of Jonah. And unfortunately, most of the translations don't do justice to the key word in the last two verses. Here God says to Jonah, you are concerned, underline the word concerned, about the bush. Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left? And the problem is that that word concern is just too wooden. It doesn't carry the uh, innate sense in the Hebrew of compassion, of empathy, of engagement. And the point is simply this. Jonah is all emotionally worried about this bush, but God is passionately, compassionately engaged in the lives of 120,000 people who don't know their right from their left. See, brothers and sisters, that is what makes a city great. That's what makes a city beautiful. That God has this compassion on a bunch of messed up, sinful, idolatrous, go ahead and fill in the word, a bunch of people who are just like you and me, in radical need of repentance. And hopefully by this point, we image another prophet. The one who wept over Jerusalem. The one who weeps with compassion at a graveside. The one who looked at a city from across and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, don't, get, don't miss the point. Jesus, who is the perfect image of God, is the prophet that Jonah was not. Do you see that? Jesus is the prophet that Jonah was not. And he looks at the city of Jerusalem with compassion, and he looks at you and me in all our struggles, in all our issues, in all our messes, and he has that same compassion, mercy, and kindness 
from the very incarnate heart of the living God on you and on me and upon those who struggle for life in the city of Richmond. And it's his compassion for you that makes us beautiful. It's his compassion also for the city that makes it beautiful. And if he can do that for us, if he can look from that steeple upon that city, he can still make a city beautiful. And so, friends, perhaps we won't literally move that wind vane, but we can do it still figuratively and prayerfully, climb that steeple. And we can look upon our city with the compassionate, incarnate, risen, living, loving eyes of Jesus. And we can see that Richmond, our city, despite all its problems, despite all its division, despite all the politics, despite all the challenges, it is still beautiful, not because of the problems, but because the loving, risen eyes of the incarnate Christ look upon it with grace, compassion, mercy, and kindness, the same kindness that he has extended to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for our city. We thank you for everything that is good and beautiful in our city of Richmond. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to work and continue to bring your compassion, and your mercy to all of us and to our city of Richmond. We pray for the mayor of our city and for the city council and for all of the leaders here in Richmond. We pray for our schools, for our colleges, for our universities, for their teachers and professors and all of the students here in Richmond. And especially we continue to pray and lift up Swansboro Elementary School. We pray for the hospitals in our city, for the doctors and the nurses and all the patients here in our city. 
We pray for the homeless, the hungry, the orphan, the prisoner, and the stranger. We pray, Lord, for your reconciliation, for your justice, for your compassion to be here in our city and to be a reality here in our city. Gather the city of Richmond, O Lord, under your wings. Protect us, nurture us, help us to grow and to prosper, that the city of Richmond may be a reflection of your kingdom here on earth. We pray, O Lord, also for the churches in our city. We pray for Reveille. We pray for Koinonia Christian Church, for Love Center of Unity. For all the churches in our city, may we be partners with you to help bring your kingdom and justice and compassion here to our city. Hear these prayers that we lift up to you this day, O God. And now, in the silence of our hearts, we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O God. And especially we remember those students from JMU who were killed this past weekend and their families. We pray for their comfort and for help and for peace for them. Hear our prayers this day, O Lord. We praise you. We glorify you always. Bless us and keep us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now I invite our ushers to come forward that we may return to God our tithes and our offerings this morning.
You may be seated. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you had, would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of a suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this each time you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. 
By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 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 And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer our Lord taught us together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ is broken for you and for me and for a broken world. Jesus was broken that we might be healed. And the blood of Christ is shed for you and for me and for this world, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be set free by God's grace. I'd like to invite our communion helpers to come forward now. We will serve communion this morning by intention. We invite you to come down the center aisle. We will have two stations up front. Come with your hands open. We will place a piece of bread in your hand. You can then dip it into the cup and Take of the two elements together. If you'd like to kneel at the communion rail after communion, you are welcome to do so, and you can return to your seats by the side aisle. If you are unable to come forward, we will have servers that are going down the side aisle that can serve you uh, in the pew, and we also have gluten-free packets here uh, if you need gluten-free this morning. At the end of the aisle, you also see two offering plates. This is our communion fund uh, that goes to meet the needs of our city of Richmond and those in our community. This is the table of the Lord. It is not the table of Reveille Church. It is not the table of the United Methodist Church. For those who love God, for those who earnestly desire a repentance of their sins, For those who long to live in peace with one another, we invite you to come forward, for all are welcome at this table. Come now and taste and see that the Lord is good.
Let us join together in the prayer after receiving what you find printed in your bulletin. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Make us ever faithful to your high calling. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us stand together as we sing our final hymn, number 567, Heralds of Christ. As you go forth to build and to do ministry in our city, one of the ways you can do that is by helping with our food drive that will support the Swansboro community. The food drive will take place throughout the month of February. And now the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you forevermore as we go in peace and as all God's people say, Amen. <laughs>